positive heads out there. Thanks for tuning your beautiful brainwaves into another episode of the Positive Head Podcast, where we are firmly convinced that creating success and happiness is rooted in understanding the ultimate nature of reality and the fact that as human beings, we are all immensely powerful fractals of the one and only source consciousness, which creates and animates all things. Now, of course, understanding this powerful truth is one thing. Applying this incredibly empowering wisdom to everyday life? Well, that's another. Which is exactly why we provide you with a fresh serving of soul food for thought five days a week to help constantly remind you of what matters most. You are it. And I'm your host, Brandon Beecham. I'm the reflection and extension of you who will be here each Wednesday interviewing a different consciousness changemaker and on the other four weekdays, leading the way to ensure that your perspective is consistently expanded, your vibration is constantly elevated, and your heart is overflowing and full. And you guys have heard me say that if I ever run ads on the show, it will only be with a company that I fully support because I believe their intention is to make a positive difference in the world. Well, I'm pleased to announce that day has arrived and that this episode of the Positive Head Podcast is being brought to you thanks to the support of Gaia. If you're not familiar, Gaia is the go-to source for streaming consciousness content online. And you can sign up for your first month for only 99 cents at Gaia.com forward slash positive head. That's spelled G-A-I-A dot com forward slash positive head. Check it out. All right, all you positive heads, on this week's interview episode, I'm very happy to have fellow MindPod Network compere Michael Phillip here with me on the show. Michael is host of the mind-melding and appropriately titled podcast, Third Eye Drops, that I had the pleasure of recently making a guest appearance on, and now Michael is graciously returning the favor by popping in on Positive Head today. Hey there, welcome, Michael. Hey there, welcome. Hey there, welcome, Michael, to the show. <laughs> Thanks, my man. Thank you. It's, it's my pleasure. What What was that word you used to fellow mind pod? Compiere. Compiere. Like, it's I like, like that. companion or peer. It's just another fancier word for peer. You yeah, know. yeah. Isn't it funny how one French word just makes, just bumps everything yeah, up Yeah, it just makes notches. it sound cooler. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You I know, actually, I, I figured you would love, like that word. It seemed like a word you would use. So I'm like, oh, here's a good word to just, to, to you know, bust out that I probably haven't used in a year or two or a lifetime. <laughs> yes, yes. It's, and it's funny because as, as people who are constantly blabbing into the microphone and looking for new and novel ways to express ideas. I think Mm -hmm. jumping over into another language, just making like a lateral jump can really spice (laughs) things up for sure. So I think I'm going to take a cue from you on that one. Yeah, it's a good one. It's a good one. And as you know, obviously we are, individuals who enjoy uh verbal banter and and definitely have no shortage of things to say when you talk as much as we talk it's like you sort of need to like look for new things to new ways to express yourself like you said so yeah it's fun words are fun 
they are fun. They're, they're fun and they're also frustrating, you know, because it's like, <laughs> you know, as we talked about when you were on my show, it's like, you know, every for me, every week for you, almost every day, you're you're trying to continuously find new and novel ways to express the ideas that are important to you. And, you know, although and, and we we concluded spoiler for everybody who hasn't heard uh, Brandon's third eye drops episode, which is actually uh, the most recent one, mm-hmm. we kind of concluded that that you know your own personal ethos, your own worldview, kind of needs to be a mantra. It needs to be something you repeat. It needs to be a mindful exercise where you're actively architecting your reality tunnel because you're constantly at the mercy of all of these outside forces who want to tell right. you what to think, who want to tell you what's important, who want to tell you what's real, and so a certain amount of repetition is fine. But on the other hand, too, since you and I are are entertainers and podcasters, we it's not entertaining to hear the same exact thing, you know. So there's always that there's always that pull to want to just say it just right for I know for just I, the right I, person. I I know, you know, it's funny because we've just started making little video clips to share on like Instagram and Facebook and things like that. And uh, so uh, this wonderful soul friend, listener, uh, compere, uh, Sarah is helping to put those together. And I've just told her, hey, just go and choose, you know, whatever out of today's episode that you feel called to share. And so, you know, she'll do that. And then I'll, um, so we've been doing these for about a week or so now and I'll listen, you know, she'll send them to me when we have the daily one or whatever. And I'm like, ah, I wish I would have said that. Like, how could I, now I start critiquing, you know, because this Mm -hmm. is a clip that someone's just getting a little snippet. And then you, you think of, oh, I I wish I would have said this there or, you know, how could I have been more eloquent? And of course, when you're just riffing off the top of your brain, it doesn't always come out as eloquent as you'd like. And that's what I love about writing is, it's, I sort of have this love-hate relationship with writing because I love the fact that I can sit there and really articulate and think out what I want to say, you know, uh, as opposed to just winging it. But then it's so much uh, slower and, and more painful to get out ideas. It really is. And I think we talked about this too, uh, you know, how podcasting is is sort of this alternative to writing a book, right, in a, in a sense – yeah, was that you yeah, I talked to about this it, recently? It was. Yeah, yeah, because we we both have kind of I don't know if I even said this on on my show, but I don't think I really needed to since people <laughs> I talk about myself, uh, you know, for hundreds hundreds of hours on end at this point, I guess. <laughs> you talk about my, yourself for hundreds yeah, of hours. I do five shows a week, four yeah, of them yeah. alone. <laughs> Unfortunately, everything goes through the prism of my subjective reality and my senses. So I have to talk about myself. It's the show is not oriented toward myself. I want to, I should probably uh, communicate that clearly. It's, it's a guest based show, but, um, but yeah, I mean, it just tends to happen when you're, when you are the engine of, of the verbal, novelty and and action that creates the show it's it's going to come through your prism but anyway um i have a writing background too i went to school for for print journalism so mm. and, and it was funny because that was what made me not want to be a writer i was like i really don't enjoy this enough to just yeah. want to be a writer and ironically yeah. later on once and I, I just felt like oh there's there's probably no road in journalism I want to go down at all. But then once I started hearing podcasts, it was like, oh shit, this is a way for me Mm. to marry the things I want. This is a way for me to, Mm -hmm. you know, marry 
the sort of creative impulse I have and, you know, loving to write, loving to get thoughts out there, get a conversation going, build a community. So I guess that's, that was a sort of haphazard road, but it worked out. (laughs) Well, I think we're both on a similar haphazard road. And I, I made the joke when uh, we first connected. Uh, I kind of was startled, <laughs> startling uh, when you first popped up on my video feed because we have like very, like very similar hair. You have the exact same green, blue, green, like colored background. Like if you guys, I, I almost wish this one was as a video so people could see it. It's like, oh, okay, this is definitely a reflection. Then I hear your story. Same thing. I, I said I wanted to be a writer as a kid and then realized it's painful. My son, the same thing, by the way, he went to Orange County School of the Arts for creative writing and he's so good at it. But then he's just like, ah, eh, I don't know. You know, I want to pursue acting now or something that's, you know, outside mm-hmm. of, it's just, it's a, it's a bit of a painful medium. But it can be very, very powerful, obviously. It's sort yeah. of shaped everything about our society and culture in a way that few things have. Oh, yeah. that Man, it just occurred to me, you know, you, as somebody who is broadcasting thoughts out there, obviously I know you are very tuned in to an intention of wanting to spread positivity, right? And wanting mm-hmm. to encourage people to follow their bliss, uh, you know, do that thing that makes them happy. But it's got to be so magnified when you have a son. It's got to be crazy yeah, because you want to, you wild. know, you like, how do you simultaneously, like, because you said he wanted to write, now he wants to act or something. How do you simultaneously support and also push? Because there's got to be a point where you're kind of like, all right, you got to choose one and get really good at it and not give up. Like, you know, so how do you, how do you do that dance? I I can't even. It's, it's been interesting. You know, I'm certainly anything but conventional. He just graduated uh, from Orange County School of RT. I can't believe it. I have a high school graduate. And I always jokingly say uh, he was definitely uh, the father more often in past lives than I, and I was the son. It's like, he's such an old soul energy and so composed and poised and smooth and I'm so like childlike and it's 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 a very interesting dynamic so for him it's like all his friends this is of course the house they always want to come to I'm I'm the one who was you know who's just you know so open-minded encouraged like other parents are like go to college go to college I'm like dude don't go to college unless you want to be an engineer or a doctor or a lawyer or you know any of these other things so it's been it's been an interesting uh, dance and an interesting perspective for him I think and as he's gotten you know older and more mature I think he's seen like wow look at the stark difference between how my situation, you know, and of course his mother and I aren't, haven't been together since he's two years old. I've never been married or anything. So, you know, there's been girlfriends in the picture at times, but never, um, never sort of, it's been him and I, you know, for the most part, his mother was involved when he was much younger and, uh, there's some, some interesting, uh, mental issues there. So she's not really in the picture. And so it's been him and I, and I, he's definitely had an unconventional path, but yeah, I mean, it, even as, is most recently is me trying to convince him and well, not, you know, at the end of the day, I want him to do whatever. I always support any and ev- everything that he wants to do, but 
I didn't want him to go to college just based out of fear because all the, and he goes to this great school with all these overachievers where they're just like super talented and super smart. And this one's going to Harvard. This one's going to Yale. This one's going, you know, and there's, and so, and then he's being told by every other parent out there, oh, you got to go to college. You got to go to college. And I'm like, as an entrepreneurial entrepreneur and, and, you know, someone who pursued music for many years and things like that, it's like, no, you, you, there are situations where it makes sense, but certainly less and less in today's society. You know, uh, I don't know if you saw, I, I actually just shared with him recently, the ultra spiritual guy, JP Sears, he had just done a video mm-hmm. about college and saying, uh, what's the, what did he say? And he's like, the number, you know, everything's sarcasm. It's like the number one way to get ahead in life is to come out of college a hundred thousand dollars in debt. Right. You know? right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And and I'm still dealing with that, man. Like I'm still dealing with student loan debt because I thought it was the right thing to do. Not that I regret going to school, but I certainly regret how I financed it. You know, it's just, I mean, there's just so many features of, of fucked upness about student loans. It's like the one type (laughs) of loan you can't default on the one type of loan you can't declare bankruptcy and get rid of. I mean, it's, it's insane. It's insane. And it's also insane that they can charge interest on, you know, your education or what's essentially a societal obligation that's forced upon you. You know, again, it's, it's, it's these things that are these, these outside forces conspiring to steer your life in a certain direction. And that debt is one of the most insidious things, man, because it, it forces you to have to do things. It forces you to not pursue that bliss because you've got to pay that bill. And if you don't pay Mm -hmm. that bill, then you're just, you know, damning yourself to further and further, you know, this, this onus for further and further down the road of your life. And it's, that is awful, man. That, that, that is a, is a demon for sure. It is. It is. It's well, and this gets into my, uh, <laughs> this really gets into my forthcoming podcast. That's going to be released, uh, today. Um, Today's forthcoming, as we record, it's a Wednesday, and I always release my interviews on Wednesday. And today's uh, releases um, with Roxanne Meadows, who uh, is part of the Venus Project. I don't know if oh, you're familiar yeah, with yeah, the Venus Project. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, so it was pretty interesting. My friend was down in Florida at their facility, and he's like, he's hooked me up with many great um, interviews over the last couple of years. Good friend of mine, Tim Powers, and he messages me. He's like, "Hey, would you like to have Jacques Fresco on the show?" And Jacques, being the you know founder of Venus Project, and for those mm-hmm. of you who don't know, well, by the time this one comes out, you'll have heard my episode with Roxanne, so you'll know all about it. And uh, I was like, yes, I want to, I would love to have Jacques. He's like, well, he's 101, so I'm down here with him right now. I'm not sure if, you know, I'll be able to make it happen. And then he was like, yeah, he got back to me. He's like, yeah, it looks like he's probably beyond, you know, you know, in the place where he wants to do interviews mm-hmm. or can can mm-hmm. do interviews. He was really fading. Literally like a week later, he passed. Yeah, and this yeah. is like a I couple months ago. Yeah, yeah. So this is just a couple months ago. And then the, you know, he ended up scheduling Roxanne, though, his partner, uh, who's like 30 years younger or something and, you know, been with him for four decades. Uh, and so it really what you when you when you mention that and debt and that's what the Venus Project, of course, you know, they talk a lot about what's the future society look like and uh, going from a monetary based economy to a resource based economy. And I think it's uh, the the, you know, student loans 
systems and that whole system and in the healthcare system, they're like shining examples of how effed up our, um, you know, our current system is. And I think it's something that we'll look back on and look at this, this monetary based system that although it served us up to this point, I think, you know, a hundred years or a thousand years for sure. We'll look back and say, oh my gosh, can you believe, believe we, I've actually heard it said before. And, you know, this is someone who, uh, how they would have this information, I don't know, but it definitely resonates uh, that, you know, from the the cosmic perspective, any civilization that has a monetary system is still like a slave system in a sense. Right. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. of course, how would you have that perspective unless you knew about other cultures out, you know, in in the galaxy or in the universe? But uh, I think that that makes a lot of sense to me. You know, when you look at she talked about, you know, what, like five families have as much as half the world or something. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's wild. It's wild how much wealth the super rich have and how coddled they are and how many special. I actually heard this, that there are special tax loopholes written into the tax code for singular entities, like one company, you know, or, or wow. like one super rich person. You think who runs they have any pull? <laughs> yeah, no, it's like, it's unbelievable, man. The system is completely, completely heavily rigged toward them. And it's it's so transparent now that we're probably living in the worst time ever as far as like corporate corruption goes in terms of, you know, corporations having politicians and legislation and everything in their back pocket. It's like, it's pretty gross. And, you know, the, I mean, campaign finance isn't the most exciting conversation, but that is a, that is probably one of the most glaring boils on our society right now, I think the fact that, you know, mm-hmm. if, if you Brandon Beecham as a billionaire could just, you know, anonymously pledge a hundred million dollars toward the candidate of your choice through some, right. you know, name like the council for American prosperity <laughs> and enlightenment <laughs> yeah. or something, you know, it's just, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous <laughs> that then that there's not some expectation that's associated with that. And, that's how we live and the Supreme Court decided it was cool. So that's where we're at. And it's just, it's wild. Yeah, I think it was Robin Williams who, Robin Williams who made the point that everyone should, uh, you know, all these politicians should have to be like NASCAR drivers and have all their sponsors all over them. (laughs) It is, it is a silly, silly, silly system. But, um, I'd like to actually talk a little bit about uh, less silly things and maybe more uh, less depressing things. And you've had some like amazing guests on your uh, show. Uh, one, actually, the the um, the episode that I first caught was uh, Raymond Moody uh, yeah. on your show, who wrote Life After Life. And and then my brother was just telling me he heard a great um, debate the other day with Raymond Moody and Eben Alexander. Are you familiar with this? Where mm-hmm. they, I guess, he I've debated. Okay, see, I haven't seen it yet. So I, my brother is very intrigued by it. And he's, he is like, uh, it's interesting. My brother's not quite as in, into, a, you know, a lot of this sort of create your own reality uh, stuff as, as I am. But he's very, very intrigued by um, near-death experience. And right. so, of course, you know, hearing Eben's story and what Raymond has to say. Um, and I, you, you guys brought up some really, really cool things in that podcast. Uh, what was that? How, how was that connecting with uh, someone as epic as Raymond? Oh, it was fantastic. It was fantastic. And he has a very infectious kind of <laughs> lighthearted, positive attitude, especially for someone who is so 
focused into like the most bleak topic, you know, like he's he's attached to the topic of death, yet he has this very like, oh, Michael, it's so wonderful to talk to you type of cadence, you know, and it comes across as a hundred percent legitimate. It does not seem at all like some sort of air he's putting on. Yeah, I mean, obviously he's brilliant. He's an MD. He's a PhD in philosophy. So he has an extremely fleshed out and nuanced view of the human condition, both subjectively and objectively from a scientific standpoint. And that is rare. That is, that is right. You know, a lot of times you'll see PhD after PhD with, you know, some, some sort of, you know, expertise, but somebody who has both an MD and a PhD, I feel like it's Mm -hmm. pretty rare, you know, like so, so that, that alone is fantastic. I mean, he's interested in such relief Specific, like one of his huge interests is scrying and necromancy in the ancient world, you know, like, oh, like wow. communing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like communing, like trying to recreate the exact circumstances that ancient Greeks used and, um, you know, oh, like oracles used and stuff like that, like the Oracle of Delphi. And like he's done wow. deep research on all this stuff. He's even recreated some of these places at, like as they were described in ancient texts. So, I mean, his the the fascinating features of this man reach even beyond the near death experience stuff. But but yeah, that that alone is such a um, intriguing and poignant topic because it's one of those things that is common enough and that there's enough parody on that you have to acknowledge it. You have to acknowledge that these are real things that many, many people have experienced. And yeah, and he's it, been it researching it for what, yeah. like 30 years or longer, right? Yeah. He coined the term near death experience in that, in that book, life after life, like 30 some or 40 some years ago. So he yeah. is the guy when it comes to near death experiences. So I, I do feel very fortunate to have had him on. I, I don't think he does a whole lot of podcasts. So no, so I, that's really the only time I I'd really ever heard him. And you two seemed like so um, similar in the sense that even though he has been exploring this stuff for decades and decades, he's like, Hey, I can't say definitively there is, or, you know, life after life. Uh, I, here's the evidence. It's certainly <laughs> sort of leaning this direction, but, um, yeah, it was, it was a very interesting to hear sort of his, um, you know, he had a very, um, uh, sane perspective on it. He had definitely not someone who's gone way off the deep end with his, his research into this stuff. And, you know, um, I, I really, I remember one story that really stuck out that was fascinating about the woman who, uh, he, he had shared, it was, uh, a, a doctor came up to him after one of his conferences and they just had an experience in the operating room where yeah. the guy, do you know what story I'm talking about? The guy yes. died on the, on the table. You want to tell that story or should I? <laughs> yeah, it was like, so it was somebody, it was a fairly routine surgery of some sort it i can't mm-hmm, remember exactly right. what the procedure was but he was under anesthesia he was young in his 30s you know in in good shape really not considered high risk and then he went into cardiac arrest and flatline on the table and they couldn't resuscitate him and you know the doctor was horrified and was just you know oh, oh shit what am i going to tell his family this is the worst and then apparently his significant other came flying through the door, like not literally flying, but she burst through the door and yeah. she, and she basically said, continue resuscitating him because he somehow just 
communicated to me psychically that appeared he's not in the dead lobby or something. Or something yeah, I or think yeah, he like, might, yeah, yeah, like she like visually like saw him or heard him in the lobby. It was like, yeah, what? yeah. So then he continued the resuscitation and managed to bring him back and. Yeah, I mean, you you got to wonder. And then the guy, yeah. and then the guy, when he came back, said, uh, "I was trying to tell you, don't give up on resuscitating me, but you couldn't hear me, so I went out to the lobby to tell my wife." So, I mean, just that whole story from beginning to end, from the guy dying on the table to the doctor like scratching his head to you know this woman bursting through the door and shocking the doctor, saying, "Don't stop, don't stop," and then then the guy getting up off the table and sort of like corroborating the whole. The whole thing, it's like, yeah. it's crazy. Yes, yes, it is crazy. It is crazy. And and uh, alluding back to that that debate that you brought up, that you mentioned that your brother watched, on, on one hand, I really enjoy that it was a topic that was curated by this, you know, a highly respected um, broadcast called Intelligence Squared, and they typically do, you know, more scientific kind of mm-hmm. topics. But I really appreciate that they gave airtime to this topic because like I said, this is something that's happening. And I think people need to hear the fleshed out argument on both sides, not because it's necessarily going to change anybody's opinion, but because mm-hmm. it's, it's, you know, oftentimes these, the more, uh, wooey, shall we say argument is just, is just very, you know, portrayed in, in a very cartoonish, silly mm-hmm. way. And this was not that, I mean, you had Eben Alexander, who's brilliant. And you had Dr. Raymond Moody, who's brilliant against two other scientists that are brilliant. So it, it really, I think it leveled the playing field, but it was also equally frustrating because it's like the people on the opposing side of the pro life after death argument Argument. have not had these experiences. They're just speculating. They're just just completely speculating about ways that people could conceivably be fooled into having these experiences. And I I just, I don't care. Like, I don't care what those people have to say because it's like, I'm with It's like listening to someone who has not had a psychedelic experience sit there and bash psychedelics. It's you know, funny because that's the same type of example I always use. It's like, you know, talking to my dad, for example, who's very like conservative Christian, mm-hmm. religious, in the box as much as a person can be in the box. You know, very judgmental, very narrow-minded view. I love him to death, but man, it's like how you're like, you need to live like 2,000 years ago even. Um, and uh, it's something that, you know, I'll be talking to him, just trying to get him to be at least open-minded. It's the t- types of experiences other people are having, whether through meditation or near-death experience. And and he'll start telling me about it. And it's like, Dad, it's like, it's like you're like someone telling me uh, – you know, what Tahiti's like. And I was born and raised in Tahiti and you've never <laughs> even visited it. You know what right. I mean? It's like right. you you're, you have no context or experience to even speak on the subject because you haven't even tasted any of the things that these people are, are, are tasting or having experiences. And so, yeah, I'm with you on that 100%. That drives me crazy. It's yeah, it can be frustrating to to talk to people who are so deeply entrenched in their reality tunnel or their belief system that it's kind of like before you even start speaking to them, you can see them sinking their claws into their belief. Like, you know what they're going to say because they they have to represent any topic through the prism of this worldview. And it's that can be really, really frustrating and tiring. And I, I don't know, like since I, I don't really have anyone like you do where 
you know, like your father, where he sounds like he's just pretty fundamental and rooted, <laughs> rooted and rigid. Yeah. So how, how do you how do you have those sorts of conversations? Do you do you try to rattle it? Do you try? I do you try, try to? Be like, it's, hey, it's hey, don't pointless. judge this, or, or it's pointless. Oh, that's, that's yeah. I mean, he is like it's like he he is a special breed. I mean, this guy goes and door knocks to invite people to his church every Saturday. Still, he reads the Bible. You know, I don't know every spare moment he can, and it's not he's not doing it because. It, it's, it's all based out of fear and it's all even as my brother will talk about sometimes it's he roots back to his his own experience with his own father who didn't was never told you know never had a birthday celebration never was told that he was loved by either of his parents you know and so it's like okay well what is god like god is this thing to be you know and and it was abusive too of course his his father so um okay so what is god like god is this fearful guy with lots of rules who's very stringent and that's love and you know and if you screw up there's rules and if you get the rules wrong and and here's what the rules are because it's written in this book well, I'm like well, but dad who wrote the book God did well, <laughs> hold on who wrote it <laughs> hold on right. so if I oh well there was inspired by God okay hold on I'm getting inspired right now hold on I'm gonna write something down oh here it is are you gonna worship this and you know this is now your new gospel oh oh not me who you know, but rather some stranger from thousands of years ago. Got it. You know, and it's just the logic of it is just wild. But um, I, I, at least it seems that it's getting sort of the the grasp is, is loosening, you know, and for me, it's something that I've seen. With organized religion, you know, it's something that sort of puzzles me because I see so many people. I think of an ex-business partner and the guy had taken taken a, you know, a million dollar company to a billion dollar a year in sales and had done these big things. And yet he was like for in the 2012 election, he represented Mitt Romney uh, to the Catholic community. And so, you know, I'd sit down to eat with him and he's doing the whole, you know, blessing thing. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, and no offense to anyone out there who's, you know, religious or part of a religious organization, but I would look at him and think, wow, this is someone who's so intelligent on some levels. And then, mm-hmm. but how are they still sort of subscribing to this thing from my perspective is just like so full of holes. And you know, this is once again, someone who's just like so rock solid and logic and like, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and it's almost like this collective insanity in a sense that is on, uh, humanity with organized religion to me is standing outside of it. And, and of course, once again, no offense to anyone who's part of an organized religion, but uh, you know, I'm sure from the other side of the fence, there's people who look at me and say, wow, that guy is batshit crazy. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. I, I accept that too. <laughs> Opiate of the masses, man. It was true. It was true. Yeah. And you know, it's, <laughs> it's kind of funny because it's in a way, it's almost like a precursor to debt. You know, it's like this idea mm-hmm. that you're coming out like behind. You're coming out oh, right, cloak, right. cloaked in sin and it's cloaked this, it's in fear. It's a pre-student student loan. It's a yeah, student right, loan. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's 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 really it's it's really the opposite of what I think people like you and I would conclude God to be, or or the mm-hmm. all the almighty nature underlying kind of uniting principle. To be, I, I would not consider it at all to be this divisive, fear-based thing. I would actually consider it to be quite the opposite. I would consider it mm-hmm. to be the engine of connection. You know, like how how do you explain in a in a universe that is vast 
beyond comprehension and whereby all accounts from all physicists, you know, regardless of what they believe, they all say the likelihood of of life even occurring or the conditions for life to even be possible are trillions and trillions to one. So yeah. and, and it's led them to some pretty bonkers explanations. I mean, what's what's more bonkers? The idea that there's some sort of logos or some sort of uniting principle like hidden within the fabric of reality or that there's multiverses because that's right. their explanation is that like, oh no, there's just trillions of failed multiverses and we're the one that made it. You know, like that, right. that's way more faith-based than just saying, right. well, maybe there's some sort of, you know, uh. undiscovered engine of of creation or or that has conspired to bring the ne- the ne- the necessary elements together for creation to occur, you know? Right. It's I, I believe it's a uh, McKenna who said something like give us one free miracle and we'll explain the rest or something <laughs> and right, right, right. alluding to science. I, I always love that. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Yeah, it it really is, but you know, it's it's an amazing um it's an amazing conversation and sort of uh, to watch the ongoing debate. What I, I love to see personally is it, it feels like and it looks like sort of uh, as we uh, evolve, it's, you know, I've heard it said before, if you ask people, you know, 30 years ago, if they believed in God, and I don't know if this is really true, but it gives, it sort of uh, puts an exclamation point on my idea that maybe we're getting more and more open to their to there being something beyond the physical. You would ask a science 30 years ago if he believed in God, and he'd say, of course not, I'm a scientist. And if you ask him now, well, of course, I'm a scientist. So I, it does seem as if, you know, spirituality and science is doing a dance and coming together in a way more than it ever has before. I mean, there's so, you know, is it Niels Bohr that said, if you don't understand, if you haven't studied you're not weirded out by quantum mechanics. You haven't mm-hmm. really understood, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and he's like the Nobel prize for, you know, physicists who worked on the atomic stuff. And, um, so, uh, you know, it, there's so much weirdness happening that is, you know, reality truly is stranger than uh, fiction at this point. Oh, I mean, yeah. You and I were just taught, we were just talking about this, um, this uh, new, uh, um, experiment where they had actually quantum entangled two particles and, I guess one perspective is saying they teleported them from from Earth to outer space. Did you see that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I was I was looking at that article, and I'm probably going to do a terrible job of explaining it, but it has something to do with that. There, you know, typically when you um, are there's what's called the measurement problem in quantum physics, right? That as soon as you measure a wave, or uh, you you measure into a particle, let's say the waveform collapses, the potential collapses, right. right? But this has some, they're somehow doing this with two observers to basically manipulate the outcome of of a quantum particle. So it's really mm-hmm. not even like a physical object that they've teleported, but it's like quantum potential, you know? And Right, where I, and they, I think the way I've seen it explained is they entangle two particles and then mm-hmm. now they're connected. And so if you do something to one, it's not that it's literally teleporting, it's that, they mirror each other instantly mm-hmm. at the speed of right. light, like, you know, faster than the speed of light. So once they're sort of connected, you separate them. And in this case, they separate one in space and one on Earth now, the longest distance. And you do something to one and the other is instantly the same, uh, which yes. it gives you this sort of the illusion of teleportation. But it's really, I guess, more of a, a cloning in a sense. 
Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and it used to be that there was no practical application for any of this weirdness, right? It's just, it was just weird stuff you could do at the kind of ground level of reality. But now with quantum computing, which is just right. insane, like it's, you can't even, I don't even know how you mathematically express how much more powerful a quantum computer has the potential to be than a, like a, a typical computer we have now. Like it, if, if we ever get to the point where quantum computing is at all regular it will shift what we think of as possible in in so many ways and it's going to just be absolutely wild i mean you you have to think about i don't i don't think we even have a good comparison but you have to think about the earliest form of data transmission like a radio wave like a doot 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 or something compared to like <laughs> hd 4k video and there's going to be another jump of that magnitude you know a jump of right. like from what we have now the very best to another level that's not even fathomable like you know like right. it, it, it may seem like we're sh- we'll gain the ability to stream 3d reality or something i don't know it's gonna be it's just a tremendous tremendous amount of data yeah it's uh like makes me think of uh, my recent interview with Kevin Kelly, co-founder of Wired Magazine. He says the internet is at the beginning of its beginning, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. you know we're when you think we think we're pretty advanced and we've got this pretty amazing tool. You bring quantum computing into that, and it's you know it's like I don't even know how you would compare it. Like you said, <laughs> it's like yeah, it's yeah. something totally totally different. I don't think a lot of us really have the full. Uh, ability to understand the implications of some of these developments that are happening. No, no. And, and it's, it's so, and as soon as you start to try to dig into it, it, it's so impossible to understand. It's just such a mind fuck because, you know, like, right, like with computers now it's all binary, it's zero or it's one, it's on or it's Mm -hmm. off. And that's what's at the root of computer science. Right. And then it's basically that closed in clothed in part in a protocol after protocol at layer 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 on top of layer of protocols and like that's how we get the tcp ip stack that runs the mm-hmm. internet whatever well with quantum computing it, you because of entanglement you don't have one or zero you have both at the same time right it's like you know, in it's a like state of quantum superposition right, like, it's, it's, and like as soon as i hear that i'm just like what like it is, it's already it's built off of something that doesn't even make sense, but it works. It's it's both it's and neither. OK, so, so here's wild. my to go a little deeper down the rabbit hole. Here's my theory on what's happening with our evolution. And of course, you know, we have this sort of um, this effect of um, uh, the quickening. You actually. OK, so this this is is a good segue because I, I just noticed that you had posted you were doing a live screening of Waking Life which is one of my all-time favorite movies. I own like three DVDs and it's one of them. Like, so, and in that movie, the guy talks about the quickening. Do you remember this conversation where he talks about... Um, yes, yes, yes. He yes. says, okay, it took us, you know, 5,000 years, you know, modern, uh, you know, our, our ancestors, we could t- take a 5,000 year, uh, you know, gap in history from, you know, great, great, your great, 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 great grandfather. And you still are using the same stone axe and same thing. Like we've progressed hardly at all. And then we finally, you know, hundreds of thousands of years. What do they think? We've been around like 300,000 years. So we're almost the same for hundreds of thousands of years. And then we get to recorded history, what, 7,000 years ago-ish or so. And that took hundreds of thousands of years to get there. And that was our big jump. And then from... 
you know, he describes it as from um, recorded history getting to uh, like the Industrial Revolution, right? So that mm-hmm. went from 7,000 years to what, you know, like the 1700s, 1800s, I guess. And yeah, yeah. so that's a much smaller gap in this big jump. Then we went from that to, you know, the the modern age, you know, the nuclear age or whatever you call it. And what was that? That was a few hundred years. So these big leaps are happening in shorter, you know, the quickening, he called mm-hmm, it. So mm-hmm. what he was saying is going to happen uh, in in that movie, which you guys got to see. And if you're around for your your live screening, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. then go join Michael live and direct and, and check it out there. I think that's a cool, really cool idea, by the way. So, um, so what he was uh, proposing, you know, or, you know, postulating would happen is as we continue this quickening process, these gaps, you know, one turns to two, that takes forever. Then two turns to four, four turns to eight. It gets this, this, you know, exponential effect. So in, you know, and we're seeing it now with how quickly technology is doubling what they say every year and a half or so. I don't know if that they're still saying that, but they were a few years back. Um, So you get to where, you know, evolutions happen. These leaps happen in days or weeks or hours. Like, you know, today, between today and yesterday, we jumped what would be equivalent in, in another sort of timeline to a billion years worth of evolution because of yeah, this quickening yeah. process. And of course, that just completely melts your mind when you start thinking of, you know, evolutions happening in hours and these huge leaps that took these great time spans in the past. So my sort of theory on all that uh you know always leaning towards not scared of any of the the woo-woo uh sort of perspectives is i've heard it said that we are uh, merging this dimension is merging with the next in a sense you know so wherever we go that raymond moody is studying and evan alexander experienced in his near-death experience that dimension of reality is starting to intertwine with this one and as we the veil thins you're sort of now we're taking the physical world into the spiritual. They're becoming one and the same where things happen as you think them instantly where, and, and that's exactly what we would see this technology do, right? We're going to be all wired to the internet, our clothes, our everything. I mean, uh, you know, my friend just met me the other day at a, an event. He's like, oh yeah, my Tesla drove me here the whole way now. And he knows all the statistics always. And he's like, oh, dude, did you know that self-driving cars are now five times safer than, mm-hmm. than mm-hmm. us driving? And I'm like, what? It's already five X. Like, you know, at what point will we say it's too dangerous to let anyone else drive? Probably a thousand X or a million X. But how long is that going to take? Because, you know, what, a few years? Like, so anyway, that's my my sort of theory on what's happening as we sort of continue this evolution and turn into a whole new species. And, you know, a lot of this sort of more woo-woo stuff becomes you know, magic. It appears to be magic what we're doing with with uh, technology. I, I believe it's a sort of emerging. I think you'll see more and more people communicating with spirits and things like that, which there seems to be an increase of people claiming such things now. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, the as far as the, the ramping up, the exponential ramp up of technology, that is completely undeniable, completely undeniable. I mean, I, I don't remember the exact statistic, but I, I remember just looking up something along these lines because I I remembered hearing this quote, but it was like some quote from the year 2012, like we made more data in 2012 than the rest of human history combined, you know, and it's just like, it's just wild growth like that where it's, and that's just happening all the time. And imagine again, when we get into the next generation of, of 
of data creation, of quantum computing or whatever, it's going to be the same thing again. And you have to wonder at what point is there is there an omega point? You know, is there a point right. of what what it could be like you described where we we hit some sort of threshold or we hit some sort of limit or again maybe it's you know to pull from the the mckennian mind are we kind of creating or summoning something that already exists in the future like have you have you heard of the concept of a of of attractors mm i don't know if i have so so it's basically like instead of time is this chronological thing where everything is a result of something that happened in the past. It's mm-hmm. actually that there are these unseen attractors pulling things toward them. Ah, so okay. there's I haven't some, heard it put like that, but yeah, yeah I didn't yeah. know that was the term. So, so I mean, his, he had a big riff on something called like the transcendental object at the end of history or something <laughs> that, that of course only he could come up with. Right. <laughs> of it's course. This, thing, this thing beyond imagination, you know, the, the sum total of all data knowledge happening whatever in the in the totality of the history of sentient beings right and and that thing already exists in the future and it's pulling us toward it rather than we're creating it or perhaps we're in some sort of superposition where it's it's both at the same time you know right and, and right, I think right as as crazy as it sounds though again you got to remember that quantum physics is a real thing all these things that are so counterintuitive on the macro newtonian physics level do really take place at least on the micro level possibly past that so and and real mathematicians granted this is all theoretical there you can't really prove this but uh you know like ralph abraham who is an absolute legend has has done a lot of work actually mathematically expressing the idea of of attractors so it's it's thought provoking, man. We're certainly heading towards something and knowing what that is or or designing language around what that is, is I think so flawed because how do you sum up something that essentially would be like a God, a completely transcendent, you know, uh, how do you sum, you can't sum that up in language. That's trans, that's past language. Like if, if <laughs> right. we get to a point of that experience is the only way. Yeah, la- language is going to be like dial-up, man. You know, it's right. like compared to whatever. The <laughs> and that's way why I think tele- yeah. telepathy. There's a good chance that telepathy enters our world. You know, and I think it's a good uh, theory that that would be sort of a natural uh, progression that we would enter. And I think it's. I also think it's really interesting this idea of attractors from the future, and it's very much in line with the sort of my my theories on the nature of reality and the ultimate nature of reality. And I know there is some science even behind it as well like the idea that you know because time is illusory like it it actually makes sense and this gets into some maybe quantum physics and stuff that i would not necessarily be good at explaining but that you know i've heard it said that you know yeah the the future could influence the past the same way the past can influence the future and it's not something that we've really considered that heavily because of our our vantage point in the in the game if you will but as we sort of understand more and more about the illusory nature of uh of time 
it, it makes a lot of sense. And, you know, so I find it, I find it really empowering. And, and we even talked a little bit about this on your show, yeah, sort yeah. of my, my perspective on free will meeting destiny. Right. And, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. I believe it's, there's infinite versions of you and me and, and timelines. And so that's where the free will piece comes in. You choose sort of which version with your vibrational offering that you step into. And, uh, it, and it's destined in the sense that it's source, God, higher self, whatever you want to call it, has played it all out because there is no time. So it's all been done in a sense. So it, it, it sort of aligns, that whole idea of a tractor definitely aligns with my just underlying, underlying theory on what the heck's going on here. So I, I like mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I've always been fascinated by that exact same paradigm too. Like I had a really, really awesome um, philosophy of religion teacher in college who, I, I don't know if I mentioned this to you, but he was really the first person I ever heard speak about psychedelics in a non-pejorative way. Like he opened his first class with a story about like a life-changing acid trip he had. And I was just immediately, my ears, of course, like perked up and I was like, what? Like, you're not supposed to be yeah. telling me this. And, All right, and, right, right. and then that, and of course he, he had us read like be here now and all of these books that mm, are, wow. are hugely ontologically disrupting to the typical Western worldview. So, so I really, really draw a lot of inspiration and I thank, I thank him a lot all the time, like mentally, but, um, yeah, I, I kind of lost my train of thought with where I was going. But but my point is, it's like <laughs> when when you do those sorts of of disruptions, that that can really alter things. And I, I would have gone in a completely different direction, like you were alluding to, had I not had that, or at least it would have taken me longer to warm up to these ideas and go down the rabbit holes that would kind of uh, shape the person that mm. I would later become. Yeah, and then of course butterfly effect that out. You know, not that I'm. Yep. Joe Rogan with 90 million listeners a month or anything, but you have that effect on another person and another person. And, you know, however tiny that is, Mm -hmm. it is making ripples in the behaviors of people and the thoughts of people. So it's, it is powerful stuff. And and it makes sense that there would almost have to be an an interplay between a destiny and a free will, because if there's, Mm -hmm. if there's not, then a lot of these other things remain unexplained. Like, you know, like what you were alluding to, we talked, we talked about this a little bit on my show too. The idea that quantum, quantum physics, we're, we're doing so much bro science here. I'm talking about quantum <laughs> physics today, but it's probably poorly, Spirit but, science, bro. <laughs> but, but I'm confident in saying this because this is, you know, this is a, a published peer reviewed article that mainstream science is reporting and like phys, physics.org and websites like that, that really the only way to explain some of these quantum paradoxes is to suppose that the present state of a particle travels back in time to affect the past state of a particle. And this even transcends the intention of the measurer. So it's it's not mm. even like the moment that Brandon decided to do this quantum experiment, this happened. It's It happens even before that. So it's before you even have the idea. So if so, logically then, okay, if it happened before you had the idea, that idea, where did that emanate from? You know, and that's like a non-local question because now we're like not in the future, we're not in the past. So I don't yeah. know, man, a lot of these concepts like don't even hold up. I think it's just, again, our, our perspective as human beings and with language and, you know, 
being three dimensional is just is, is limited. It's 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 very limited. And there and now that we're starting to burrow into the fabric of reality because we're gaining such advanced technology and advanced instruments, I feel like we're really testing the boundary of of what humans are capable of with our current tools. And that's right. That's that's crazy. It's a weird weird time and wonderful it, time to be alive. Is. It is. It is. It's, you know, uh, you know, even little, little baby experiments with such big implications like, uh, and I, once again, I can't remember if we talked about this with you. I think I might've with, uh, Dean Radin from the Institute of Noetic Sciences. I had him on a few months back and he talked about some of the experiments with, you know, monitoring people as he would show them images on a screen. And mm-hmm. if before a really horror, it'd be like beautiful images and then really like stressful, you know, you know, tragedies or, you know, whatever. And they would change. He would notice the difference prior to showing them the image. It's like their body was already reacting in one way if it was a negative image versus a more serene image. And so in a sense, it's like they were knowing the future and proving, you know, through their biology that they were aware of the future. And that's the implications of that are just you know, science is stranger than fiction. What do you say to that? Someone who does it, who would argue any of this stuff. It's like, okay, can you explain that one to me? <laughs> Cause well, how is that happening? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think, I think as we get further down the road, technologically, we are going to continually reverse engineer these things. And, and it, again, it's like, it's this whole question of, chronology because as humans it's it's very it seems very clear the way that the movie of our life plays out in front of us it's mm-hmm. very chronological it's i was born then and then and then and then and then i died mm-hmm. you know and yep. and it's just maybe that's really not how reality is maybe that's a very uniquely human or uniquely earthling perspective or or where mm-hmm. we're stuck right now because not not to get into conversations about dimensions because that is one of the slipperiest you know what does that even mean <laughs> oh come on you know uh, I, but, you know i'm gonna try and take you down that slippery slope yeah. if i can so you gotta be really careful with me yeah <laughs> but i mean that i mean it's commonly considered that the fourth dimension is time right so if we if we mm-hmm. gained some sort of extra dimensional y- viewpoint maybe maybe once we're on you know we're on 4G LTE right now. Maybe we'll right, be on right, right. like quantum <laughs> computing 7.0 or something. Maybe yeah, yeah. we'll we'll develop some sort of fourth dimensional overview type of faculty, and maybe then all of this will make and we'll some call it our higher self. of sense. But yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I said we're we are blasting up against the the ontological epistemological walls right now for sure for sure for sure which is wonderful for individuals like us because obviously we can we can talk about this stuff and and explore it and it's just so fascinating it's such a fascinating time to be alive and to have the opportunity to sort of um just even discuss this stuff and sort of ponder the mysteries right All right. Well, now seems like a good moment to take a quick minute to tell those of you who aren't familiar a bit about our sponsor, Gaia. I've been a big fan of Gaia for many years now, which is why they are the only content provider I've ever reached out to in regards to potentially supporting the Positive Head podcast. So needless to say, I'm very excited they're now supporting this show. 
Gaia truly is my personal go-to source for streaming consciousness content on the web. They have an incredible 7,000 plus exclusive videos covering 5,000 years of wisdom. Not only do they have a plethora of amazing content, they also report on new mysterious discoveries as they're happening. For example, since the end of June, they've released a three-part special ongoing report on mummified remains that have just been uncovered in Nazca, Peru, near the famous Nazca Lines. In the report, they show the mummy, which is very bizarre looking, which has an elongated skull, only three very large fingers and toes. And in the report, it follows the journey of several independent scientists and universities that are studying the mummy to determine if this could potentially be the first definitive evidence of a non-human humanoid species existing here on Earth. There are more updates forthcoming in this report, so this is just one example of content you can find on Gaia, which I will personally be following very closely. As you all hear me constantly say, it's a daily conscious effort to maintain an elevated vibration, and if you're looking to go deep down the rabbit hole to do so, then Gaia is the best place I know of to do it, period. And you can sign up your first month for only 99 cents at Gaia.com forward slash positive head. That's spelled G-A-I-A dot com forward slash positive head. Check it out. You know, you've had some pretty amazing guests on your show. Who Mm -hmm. is there anyone that jumps out? And I I know I kind of hate this question myself. It's like, who's your favorite guest? Well, I don't really have a favorite. But is there anything that that jumps out? Anyone that jumps out that you've had on at any point that you think would be uh, an interesting takeaway? Maybe something that changed your life or that you learned from these (laughs) guests that uh, you think uh, our listeners would be interested in hearing about. Yeah, I think I think there's a lot of really valuable, valuable, like <laughs> um, philosophical frameworks that I've had the opportunity to explore in a little bit more depth because of the show. Like I had mm-hmm. um, a Jungian psychologist on uh, recently, Dr. Michael Dane, and he's just, you know, again, one of these people who you like went through intensive schooling, worked in medical settings, you know, chaired all of these committees, but he's also deeply mystical and deeply entrenched Mm. in, you know, this kind of mystical Jungian framework, uh, this archetypal framework that which he uses to, you know, better understand himself, help people understand themselves better. Um, And that was a really recent one that I just did a couple weeks back. And there, I mean, that was one of those conversations that at times it was starting to meander into such personal territory and and, yeah. and personal epiphany where I kind of had to almost check myself because the gears right. are just doing this existential turning. Like I remember saying something to him about how at certain times in my life I've had um, reoccurring dreams that seem to be alluding to some sort of powerlessness, like where I'll be in a confrontation and you know, I'll be very confident and then I'll have to fight someone and I'll punch this person and it will have zero effect or something like Mm -hmm. that, you know? And and Mm -hmm. then he starts, and then he just completely transmuted that, the, whatever that, where that worry or that weakness was stemming from and said, Oh, you realize that's because you're afraid of your potential, right? Because you have massive potential as a blah, blah, blah. And he just like went off on this and he's like, I don't know you that well, but, and he just completely blasted a spotlight on what was really going on. And it made me kind of do a, Oh, 
yeah, whoa, that makes a lot of sense. And I had to, like I said, <laughs> I had to completely so cool. check myself because it was just so powerful. So yeah, I mean, conversations like that. I, I, actually, this month has been a, just a such a fantastic month. I had this had this guy named Brandon Beecham on. He's pretty oh, cool. Oh yeah, I heard about him. He's really <laughs> epic. Um, <laughs> but I also, but really though, like I, it, it has been a really awesome month. Um, I had I had Dr. Dane on. I had you on. I had I just had Sharon Salzberg, the uh, great Buddhist teacher, on, um, and she just oh, wrote yeah. a new book on on the concept of love and how love has become, you know, so infected and so become such a misnomer and has become such a tool for manipulation and unrealistic expectations and mm. ultimately just sadness and disappointment and how we can reclaim that and own that and and really come to a better understanding of what a state of unconditional means. love actually maybe <laughs> yeah, I'm postulating yeah, like that cuz that's really where it's at at mm-hmm. for me as i sort of delve deeper into understanding myself and what I believe love is and what's going on. It's like, ultimately, you know, yeah, love is this twisted idea of owning another person a lot of times. And, you know, Osho talked about as you progress, it's not so much something that you you just uh, find with someone else where you're like completing, let let me go find love. It's like, no, become something that you are that uh, overflows from you with and whomever you're with. And, uh, and of course, then you tie in the concept of like unconditional love, you know, which is the ultimate love, right? I want for you what you want for you free. If you love someone, set them free. those kind of concepts. Like I don't Mm -hmm. need anything from you, no expectation. And I, I I think that is uh definitely a next level way to uh sort of approach that concept so i'll be curious to go check that episode out i want to hear her her perspective yeah and where it gets really slippery because i i agree with you from a you know a philosophical intellectual standpoint for sure that that to me is what love is it's it's connection it's it's unconditional possibly even some sort of you know unforeseen force in the cosmos like we were talking about like that that force mm-hmm, of, absolutely of, of creation is i mean it's the, the the cliche of god is god is love that's why to me that i, I believe statement that makes so much sense is because it literally is connection it literally it's is the reason nurturing. for it's it all it's giving, it's like actually right. I, I had a mama sorry to interrupt i had a mama chia drink so i got really excited to to share that <laughs> yesterday uh, and uh you know under the cap they have the uh little messages and my message yesterday was love is what it is all in capital about mm, you know mm. it's and I, I just believe that i actually ended up sharing i'm like yes that's so true it's like all even including the bad stuff even including the challenges and that's a lot of what i talk about on my daily episodes is that sort of thing taking this like your dream taking the story right and then finding that it appeared as a lump of coal then you looked at it from a new perspective a new you applied a new story thanks to the person on your show and all of a sudden it completely transmuted that into a gift a diamond uh you know and uh, uh, so, yeah. Anyway, sorry, I interrupted you there. I got too excited. No, no, that's a nice little <laughs> synchronicity. It's a nice one. It's 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 great. It's great. But but you know, then bringing it down, and this is where it gets super tricky, is bringing it down to a practical level of self love because you have mm. to understand that you, regardless of you know whether you're really happy and content or you're in emotional shambles and depressed and you feel like you have no value whatsoever to society or any other human on earth, like you're all equally deserving of that same 
love mm-hmm. logically. Like if, if that mm-hmm. sort of a love exists, you are, you are that thing, whether you yeah. think you are or you're not. So figuring right. out how to accept that and allow mm-hmm. yourself to admit that is, is tough. I mean, it's tough for me at times because you have, I mean, you have to be self criticizing. You have to be judgmental to an extent. Otherwise sure. you're just, you're just firing shit off into the world and, the, yeah, and there's yeah, no yeah. gate. There's gotta be some gateways there for sure. So, I mean, that's been just a really powerful concept. Um, I, I, this month too, I had Jerry Brown, not to change the subject. If you're still wanting to riff, we can definitely go back. But I wanted to mention too, this month I had uh, Dr. Jerry Brown who wrote the psychedelic gospels on this month, which is another one of my favorite conversations because it, you know, he did a lot of this almost Dan Brown style Da Vinci Code firsthand uh, exploring of these ancient Christian sites where there's just psychedelic iconography everywhere, like mushrooms everywhere, Um, you know, thousand plus year old uh, European and Roman frescoes where they're just like it's just tons of mushrooms, you know, wow, it's like wow. undeniable. So, so that was really, I got to show that to my mom. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I got the pictures for you, man. I got the images. Oh, I, I love that. You know, I was wondering, I didn't know much about psychedelic gospels. Uh, my, uh, good friend and fellow podcaster. I don't know if you know, Matt Belair, he had him, I, I'm 95% sure it's where I saw it. He had him on uh, the show, his show recently as well. And so it popped up on, I was like, oh, well, that's such an interesting title. You know, what is that about? And then uh, I did see that you had just had him as well. So I was going to actually have that as something to ask you about. So I'm glad you brought that up. That's really interesting. I would like to maybe get him on, on this show at some point. I definitely recommend it. I definitely recommend it. And he's got a great kind of uh, like storytelling style too, where he just like takes you through his, his whole thought process that he, cause his wife uh, did this research with him and, you know, he talks about their whole thought process and, you know, the whole journey and just, it's, it's awesome. It's, it's, it's a, one of my favorite podcasts for sure. So yeah, wow. I've, I've had the opportunity to have some fantastic conversations for sure. Well, I am such, as all my listeners know, I am such a sucker for a good story. So I definitely need to reach out to him. And it prompts me to ask you for a good story. I love my stories of synchronicity or serendipity or positive paranormal kind of story. You have anything like that up your sleeve? Well, it's kind of funny because in in certain lights, it just like everything seems synchronistic, you know, like this conversation we had just now makes everything seem super synchronistic. And I think, I think like hindsight does that too, because when I think about how any important connections in my life have manifested or any big steps or strides I've made, it it just all seems miraculous. And I almost doubt that I was the orchestrator of those things. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like, it almost seems like, how did the matrix do this weird harmony of orchestral occurrences and make me meet this person in this time? You know, I I agree Um, that I guess that's the more, the more rosy side of it. And I think, uh, but I do that. I think in general, synchronicity is a really thought provoking topic because it invites us and forces us to look for connection in everything, which is beautiful, but it's also a very slippery slope, which is why I try to really reserve synchronicities that I hang my hat on. Like they've got to be like really an exclamation point. They've got to be, <laughs> right. it can't just be like, um, dude, I'm seeing 11, 11 on the clock every day. And it's like, okay, <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, totally. 
worry, totally, you know, totally. it happens twice a day, every day, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, so the odds you... right there don't make right. it the weirdest thing that ever happened to a guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I, like, I had a friend who kept, like, he kept telling me, he's like, dude, I see 444 everywhere, 444. And at first I was like, oh, that's really cool. Like, l- let's look into what that means. Let's I have whatever. a 444 story, actually. That's funny. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, please, please share it. Please share it. Um, <laughs> But after a while, it was just kind of like, you know, a month or two of dude, 444. And I was like, all right, but how are you going to put this on your life in a, <laughs> in a, right, in a right. meaningful the way? practical right? application? Yeah, yeah. But uh, but I have definitely had these moments where, you know, you're you're just kind of in a creative fugue state and you're just inspired and everything feels kind of electric and I'll like fire up a podcast or something and I'll be driving and I'll just be in a great mood. And you ever have one of those moments where you're, you're listening to something that is about like synchronicity or some of these concepts. And just as they're saying something, you look up at like a billboard and it's the same words, the exact same words Mm -hmm. the person is saying. Like I've had a few of those where it's just like made everything Whoa. You know, all my hairs stand up on the back of my neck. Yeah. It's like, whoa, that was that's a little bit. Yeah. What are the odds there? Because that was yeah. just strange, you know, I think I think it's something where we're it's going to become more and more like as people as we sort of journey into more self-discovery and awakening and expanding our consciousness and, you know, realizing the rules that we thought were there really aren't necessarily there. It, to me, it seems like this phenomenon that is just going to become ever increasing and where people's whole lives, like, you know, 25 years from now, they'll be teaching young children. Okay, class, here's how you live. Here's how you go through life. You, you follow the synchronicities because they're guiding you, you know, where, I, I mean, it just seems like as we enter into this more flow state and really connecting the dots more because that's really what makes humans humans right our ability to perceive patterns and uh and so that's really it's a whole nother level of perceiving patterns at a level that maybe we were missing before or they're happening at a more in in, a you know more obvious and frequent way and probably a combination of both is what i feel is sort of happening and it becomes this this um like for you seeing the billboard as that thing's being said to me, that's like, okay, pay special attention to this. You know, uh, there's some reason this is coming into your world. And other times it's just for me, I believe it's just a tangling of energy, right? It's just like, I mean, and I have them literally every day where they, Oh, this person brought up this thing and then it pops up over here and there's no real application in my life that is useful, but it's an indicator to me of the connectedness of all things. You know, Mm -hmm. like, uh, I had a, uh, you know, just an example from yesterday for, you know, my son, I had mentioned earlier, uh, you know, issue with, you know, his mother has some some mental health issues and a uh, very interesting character. And he, she really hasn't been in his life for many. Well, he saw her for the first time in like five years yesterday. Uh, wow. And the night before, he's on the phone dealing with her in a way that was leading him to go pick her up and take her to the airport. And and uh, at the same time, he's having this conversation with his mother and who's, you know, got these health issues and everything. I'm having a deep conversation with my mother who had some tests and they didn't come back as good as she wants. And there's, you know, this, you know, uh, deep conversation happening one in one room and one in the other, you know, uh, with dealing with our mothers in a unique way, in a way that what isn't 
common at all. And it's like, oh, I can just see the energetic ties. Of course, it's my child. He's dealing with his mother right now. I'm dealing with mine. Both are sort of heavy circumstances in a sense. Mm -hmm. And it's just one of those things. It's like, well, there's no practical application other than seeing, oh, look at the connection. Look at look at how these things pop up simultaneously and, and weave together. And the more you see that, the more you see that. And the more you see it, the more it happens, the more it happens, the more you see it, I believe. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think once if you... You know, it's it's not to be binary with this, like it, it's either a, a, a cause and effect, meaningless, whatever cosmological outlook, or it's this interconnected thing. But it, a lot of times it feels that way. It feels like society is forcing us to choose whether we want to live in this, you know, random sort of, uh, you know, existentially pointless, lucky set of circumstances, or we want to live looking out of a, a of a prism of interconnection that you know spreads out with like these dendritic connections where nothing happens in a vacuum and everything whether it's just energetically or consciously you know from a you know physical corporeal standpoint like it, it doesn't even matter because it's it's the same pattern of repetition you know like like okay let's think of it this way we know probably one of the best tools to express the features of reality that we've come up with ever in the history of mankind is a fractal, right? Like mm. we even, mm-hmm. we even to, to build three dimensional spaces in games now or in virtual worlds, it's, it's all based off of fractal shapes. That was really the big breakthrough in, in graphics processing was, was using oh, fractals I aware instead of, of, yeah, yeah. So and I mean, man, which is that further re- evidence that we're in a game. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's 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 the repeating. I, I think it's just a repeating pattern. You know, it's like that because mm-hmm. if you've ever watched one of those videos of like a hard zoom of a fractal where it's just it's ba- basically somebody rendered, you know, I'm going to do the biggest Mandelbrot zoom that my Ever. computer can handle. And it's like, you yep. see the same pattern over and over and over again. So it kind of makes sense that if something is going to happen, it's going to happen again. You know, yeah, 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 absolutely. And you know, what's interesting, so fascinating about fractals too, is you can store infinite sort of information Mm -hmm. in a fractal because Mm -hmm. it's, here's this thing, it's a a lump of clay or whatever, but then you can zoom in it infinitely and it's repeating itself within itself. So it's just like storing knowledge upon knowledge upon knowledge, you know, um, so yeah, it's, yeah, it's mind melting for sure to, to sort of comp, you know contemplate the the fractal nature of our reality but it's such an alignment with you know when you look at uh, us you know you zoom in on us you know i've heard it uh, one time oh many years ago i was at a conference the guy was making the argument that we are actually living in a simulation we're xbox 10 on some kid's shelf perhaps at some some level uh Mm -hmm. and you could take a lot of the things that you look at in a video it might even have been I think he referenced the guy who made The Sims talking about this, um, where you can look at a lot of the things that video games have and what are what are sort of the, the characteristics. Well, it's been programmed. There's some rules, which we can see. There's some rules. When you zoom in, it pixelates, you know. When you zoom in, we pixelate. It's like we know that we're vibrations flashing in and out of existence so quickly to appear solid the same way a game does. It's made of light. Everything's made of light. It's like when you start comparing what's going on here to what's going on in the video game simulation, it's like, um, hmm, 
this is interesting. And it's sort of the fractal, fractalized nature or, or, you know, that idea comes into mind. Okay, we're creating the same thing that we are, which was created by some, you know, like Elon Musk recently saying, he believes it's like a one in a billion chance that we're in a base level reality because of how Mm -hmm, quickly mm -hmm. we've been able to create technology, which means most likely we're not the originators. We're just someone else's creation. And it's like, that starts to get a little weird to contemplate, right? Yeah, yeah. It's definitely a logically solid thought experiment because all you have to do is follow the progression of what's actually happened and take like two more steps. Like yeah. you, the, the first step is, do we create simulations? Yes, we create simulations. Have they been getting closer to reality? Yes, they've been getting closer to reality and <laughs> right, more realistic. Right. Will we continue to create more realistic ones? Yes, we will. Is it conceivable that at some point in the future, whether it's 10, 20, a thousand, a million, a trillion years, we'll eventually get to the point where you can make a simulation that's indistinguishable from reality. I think it's pretty, pretty possible. Okay. Then how do you know you're not already in that? You know, that's, yep. the, that's, yep. that's the whole argument. Boom. It makes a lot of sense. And I mean, there's it a, does. I mean, obviously there's a huge correlation, but it could just be that the correlation is because we're trying to recreate reality. Therefore mm-hmm. it looks like reality. And we're just doing this weird, you know, reversal of that, of mm-hmm. that viewpoint. But I mean, it certainly seems possible. It certainly seems possible that we we could be in some sort of. You, I, I think it's just, but I think it's again just a limitation of words. You know, it's right now mm-hmm. the best, the best kind of tool we have, for or the latest tool we have, the latest map we have for describing reality is a simulation. Like, it's yeah. probably going to be something else in twenty years and thirty years right, and forty years, right, right. but. Who knows? Who knows? It, it makes Again. me think of the movie Vanilla Sky, one of my all-time favorite movies, where yeah, 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 um, yeah. I think it's Kurt Russell. Is it Kurt Russell that's in that movie? Yeah, yeah. Uh, at the end, he's like, he realizes he's in the simulation. You know, it's a dream state that Tom Cruise is in, and he's just a projection. And he's like, what? I'm not real? Hold on. I have a daughter. I have, a, like, you know, and so it, when you start contemplating this sort of uh, perspective, you, you kind of can quickly go there. Like, what? Hold on, I'm just a projection, and I'm not real. And where I find sort of solace in that idea is, yes, you are created and you are a projection, but the creator and created are one. I believe so. You're, it's an extent. It's a projection of source. It's a, a dream God once had. As I think, even uh, in your Moody uh, Raymond Moody um, interview. Uh, you titled it something to the effect of God, uh, God made man because he loves stories, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. that's where we are the story. We are the character, but we're also the source of the character. And so that's like, oh, okay, okay. I, I can, I can deal with that theory. That feels a little more. So it explains why I don't go away when the, when the game turns off. Right. Yeah. But that's a dangerous one though, because <laughs> you know, like existentially, yeah, maybe, maybe the, you know, I mean, we're, we're really spitballing here, of course, but <laughs> right, of wh- course. whatever, whatever the existential reality is, I feel per- I have a personal suspicion that even if there, you know, even if something goes on after you die, which clearly near death experiences, ecstatic states, peak experiences, suggests that there is some sort of unseen energetic realm at the very least. How much right. of you personally transcends right. that threshold? You know, how much of yep, are, yep, yep. Are, are you totally unbranded at the moment of death and just return to the energy mm. of the mm-hmm. all? Or, or do you carry some sort of, you know, 
personal you, pixel. You know what brings me you. solace in that uh, that perspective? I think it's probably both. You know, I, I've heard the the theory or the idea like we merge into the source. So you know, we're like it's a sliding scale. It's a fractal, right? So we're looking. We're God, for lack of a better word, source looking through the eyes of the avatars, Michael and Brandon, in this case. But we can slide back up the scale to the all, right? Which people often have that experience on five meo DMT experiences or or what have you. And so, but then you can come back out of that again too. So, you know, and one of the things that sort of helps me to believe that's how it, it goes is having experiences with actually like someone who's going to co-host with me, a former guest, um, Colby Psychic Rebel. She goes by and, you know, uh, talking, having you know, claim to talk to my dead grandmother and bring through things that are very like, like my grandmother that would indicate that, you know, this is the person she's connecting with. So it's like, oh, okay. So, you know, and there's a lot, I mean, I don't know if you've ever seen this guy, like Tyler Henry, who's a Hollywood Mm -hmm. medium. This kid, he's like 19 years old and he goes into celebrities and, and reads them. And, you know, supposedly he doesn't know whose house he's showing up with beforehand you know, uh, of course, a skeptic would say, oh, he's talking to a famous person. There's all kinds of info. And of course, there's always things that come through. These people say is not out there. Nobody would know. But this kid is um, I, you should watch him. He is amazing. The stuff that he gets and, and comes through within the detail. And, you know, granted, he's talking to celebrities, some of which are actors. But they you can tell they're almost every time shaken to the core at the end, like, Sometimes they're skeptical going in and they're like, I'm completely a believer now. So to me, that offers some level of like, you know, and and if you take the perspective of if source is is all powerful, right, then nothing would be lost in a sense. So it would keep it would retain it, it, it can it can do both. It can. But from another perspective, some level of it would be lost depending what what vantage point your soul essence is viewing through at any given time, mm-hmm, I guess, mm-hmm. is sort of my, my you know, spitballing yeah. on it. Yeah, I, I, I try really hard to at least consider the idea that at some point I'm really going to have to just <laughs> to let go of, of everything that I've assigned value to with my persona because you know this is what all the like Mm. this is what the tibetan book of the dead says this is what you know basically every mystical tradition is trying to tell you to do is like don't don't take your meat suit too seriously don't take this life too seriously because one day like you're not going to be able to hold on anymore and holding on is actually going to be so somewhat Mm. detrimental like i mean Mm -hmm. if you, you take the tibetan book of the dead seriously which i mean it's, it's fascinating. I'm, I'm certainly not going to like alter my, my life behavior massively because I read the Tibetan book of the dead. However, it, it definitely sticks with me at night when I'm having my weird little existential, uh, wriggles <laughs> when I'm going to bed. Um, you know, it's, it's like they, like they, they have a whole like crazy procedure where, you know, there's, you basically have a partner that's also trained in all of these like death mysteries. And they're as, as you're dying, they're whispering all these things in your ears about like, let go of this, let go of that, go toward that, stay away from this. Don't do this. You know, this is that trying to, um, beckon you, like, don't forget your training. Don't, don't Mm -hmm. be tripped up by the, by the wrathful gods or the kind gods. Those are just projections of your psyche trying to keep you, trying to keep you here. And, you know, all these things. And, the more we cling to that stuff, 
the longer it's going to take for us to reach our full potential. Or, you mm-hmm. know, if you if you subscribe to the Eastern view, you know, break the cycle of of death right. and reincarnation and suffering. Right, right, right. So it, it's I I want to believe that it's someday I'm going to be able to like break up with myself, <laughs> but right, it's, right. it's going to be, I, I don't well, know, man. It's, it's well, if time tough. is an it's illusion. If time is an illusion, then this is, we're in the eternal now and this moment exists. So it is archived. We're in, and from one perspective, maybe we're just, it's like, we're popping in that, that version of a movie we loved. You know, God loves a good story. I loved being Brandon. I loved being mm-hmm, Michael. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's watch that again. And mm-hmm. that's what we're doing. You know, that's sort of my take. So I think I think it's both. And then when you journey on and you put this movie away, it's completely lost at times, probably where you have no recollection because you've journeyed so far. Like, but it's also stored in the, you know, as they refer to the Akashic Records, right? You know, yeah, it's yeah. there and can be reaccessed. And that's sort of the best I can come up with. That sounds true, feels the tr- true to me, but there's really un- only one way to find out. And I guess we're going to find out or not in the case that we, mm-hmm. we go <laughs> blank and remember nothing. And in a sense, we'll have our answer there too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I mean... I, I love going down these rabbit holes. It's it's like because I, I immediately think, well, what would I do upon being disincarnated and being disembodied? And then yeah. I, I immediately see the desire to be embodied again. You know, it's yeah, like yeah. I don't know how long it would take to to be of of kind of, you know, doing an Aladdin magic carpet a whole new world thing for like for however long. And then you're right. be like, oh, man, like I can't do anything, though. I can't have any experiences i don't have senses i don't have desires i'm just yep witnessing i'm just dis completely i I, just witnessing with no protocols no senses whatsoever and i don't even know what witnessing is like because i immediately imagine seeing you know and and you wouldn't have that so who knows i mean it's it's so i mean again words fail you just hit a wall yeah well you know what what brings me some some excitement is like and I, I believe it's necessary. We have to, you, you have eternity and you're it all. And it's like, okay, so the only way for anything to mean anything is to give myself amnesia and to sort of play games of forgetfulness and and separation from this supreme, that, you know, that thing at the end of the tunnel that Terrence McKenna talked about, right? <laughs> um, and so if you can do that and have that experience, which you know, it appears to some degree, if any of these ideas are correct and there is more, then we can see around us people with amnesia everywhere, including ourselves at times and at different levels uh, of this sort of idea. Uh, you know, it's sort of like this, uh, how much do you know, but it's still a sliver and maybe I know more than someone else, but it's still a sliver. So it, it, that brings some relief because you know, oh, okay, I can kind of wipe the slate and it actually gives it meaning again. It makes it new. It makes it fresh. And, you know, this is how God gods, right? <laughs> chooses to forget so that it can remember again. And that's sort of the dance through eternity. And thankfully it, it creates a reset that never makes it like completely miserable <laughs> yeah I, I hope not i don't want to do well, any permanently like, uh, miserable there's misery yeah. but permanent misery right yeah i'm hoping i can i can avoid any like hell bardos or realm of <laughs> hungry too. ghosts incarnations or yeah. like the third world <laughs> child who has to dig through a mountain of of garbage but you know what the, like I, i've thought about this too if if you are born in that sort of a setting and and you have nothing 
it would be mm-hmm. so much easier to let go of of your ego because it's you yeah, know yeah, yeah, you, you yeah, don't yeah, totally. you don't have this bullshit surrounding you. It's just you're you got nothing, and then one day you might come into contact with a dharma, and it makes all the sense in the world. And you're like, yeah, I'll just go straight into that. And my life <laughs> kind of sucks yeah, anyway. I'll just dive, I'll dive leave into the, the junk dharma. Pile. I'm good. <laughs> yeah, right, right. So yeah, the, I mean, I mean it, those people it, it, might it, have better karma than we do. I I don't know. I, you know, to me, it's almost a little. Um, horrifying or overwhelming not horrifying i mean it, it's a little intimidating to think about you know i heard alan watts talk about it or um the story the the egg which i might have taught brought up on your show too because i've talked about it a bunch lately and they kind of go hand in hand if you guys haven't read the story the egg you can five minute read online and it's you know this person that dies and then he comes and he talks to god or whoever and they he realizes that he has to go and be every single person on planet earth and that's when he gets to be born and it's like you know alan watts kind of the same kind of concept i've heard him talk about where what if you know uh you're a soul that these are just avatars right brandon and michael with a certain potentialities and different souls come into that avatar as they progress so once you die it's like okay i leveled up to x so now my next choices are i can be this viking person here or maybe this future person here they're the closest vibrational match to where your soul is escalated to Mm -hmm. Uh, so to me this kind of really resonates like as the way it works um that so in, in that sense when you feel really connected to someone or you're bumping up against someone it's like oh maybe Maybe my soul played Michael at some point and you played Brandon. And like, so you talk about being the kid who's rummaging through the garbage. You you played him before too. Maybe it's a further removed from your most recent, if there's a linearity to the whole experience that Mm -hmm. your soul's having. So you're not really this physical being. You're the soul that jumps into avatars and you've jumped. So you take a scenario where you've interacted, you've been your mom, you've been your dad. So you've been you, you know what I mean? Like, so my dad is like, oh yeah, I was in that avatar maybe a few lifetimes ago. I can certainly see reflections of myself with his desire towards, you know, uh, understanding the ultimate nature of reality and all those things, right? At some base level. Like, oh, it's a it's a less evolved from my perspective anyway. Maybe he's more evolved. Who knows? But from my perspective, a less, less evolved version of myself. So to me, that kind of, uh, it not only rings true, it sort of melts my mind. And it's like, oh my gosh, so I've got to go, like the story of the egg says, I'm going to go and be them all. And well, if you are at all, then at some level, that's a truth, you know? And that just gets to be like... But then you think of the idea of eternity, and that's still after you had been every life. It hasn't even put a dent in how much experience can be had. And it's just like, okay, my my brain's officially fried. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I need to go to sleep. (laughs) Yeah, it's exhausting. It's exhausting. All these this cosmological forecasting is too much for (laughs) for us feeble feeble meat suits. Which is probably a good place to start winding it down. I will, uh, I will uh, throw out one example that maybe supports this too. Um, speaking of 444, uh, now I just realize there's a tie into that too. Um, so this person who I had a cool 444, I, I'll, I'll give a real quick story and, and listeners have heard me talk about it before if they've heard that episode. So I was reading this book called The Messengers where this person claims to be the reincarnation of Paul the Apostle in some level, you know, some... Maybe we've all been Paul the Apostle. He was. He remembers his time being Paul the Apostle and recounts his stories with Jesus. And during his whole waking up, and he did this all under hypnosis, 
um, over six months period of time, but he would wake up at 4.45, four and get these downloads of information. And turns out that's like the angelic frequency, right? That's the angelic realm. And uh, that's sort of, you know, in their vibration. And he was communicating with these angelic entities. And I was telling my friend about the book. Um, and uh, as I was telling him, I was like, yeah, and these angels, you know, I just read it. And it was really fascinating story and how, what he claimed Jesus had really taught and a lot of the same stuff we're talking about, of course. And during uh, my my recounting to my friend, my friend, uh, as I was telling him, yeah, these angels would like uh, communicate through electronic devices at times and things like that. As I'm telling him this, it's like 1130 at night and all of a sudden my alarm goes off in my house and I'm like, whoa, like That's my creepy. fire alarm. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, oh, wow, that was weird. I go down, see if my son's cooking anything, burning a pizza, which wouldn't be too crazy of an idea or something. Nope, 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 nothing. So alarm goes off. Four in the morning, we're still up. We actually had had a psychedelic uh, little journey that night. So four in the morning, it's winding down. Uh, and I someone posts on Facebook and tags me about angels on earth and tags me in this post. I'm like, whoa, Tyler. Yeah. Like, look at this. Like, I just got tagged about angels. 4.30 in the morning, the alarm goes off again at that exact moment. At 4.44? Yep. Yep. Uh, no, no, Damn. no, it wasn't 444. It wasn't at oh. 444. It was like, okay. it was like four or five in the morning. It wasn't exact. Yeah. You and, know and what? it was just actually, you ne- you I don't even think out. I looked, it was in that time frame. Actually, I, I've okay. never even thought of that till you say it right now. I can't say that it was 444, right, but it was right. in that, that within an hour of that. And yeah, um, yeah. for sure. That's- that's and, not, that's, that's intriguing. Pretty wild, right? Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. now the reason I was going to bring it up, uh, or I started to bring it up here to kind of wrap things up, was talking about this idea of us being all things. Well, fast forward a year or so to this girl, Bree, that I met at Envision Festival down in Costa Rica. She ends up um, coming to visit me. And r- right when she gets off the plane, first thing, at, and she's a she's a pretty interesting energetic person and uh and uh she uh basically said to me you know oh man you know she got off the plane and she's like oh my gosh i couldn't sleep last night because these entities kept taking me away in my sleep and saying uh you're on the 444 frequency you're on the 444 frequency and it, i couldn't sleep all night and she's like i have no idea what that even means and i'm like whoa i have some experience with that number and shared her story anyway she went on to tell me that she had had uh, a psychedelic experience where she literally flashed into people's lives as they were dying um and uh so yeah this same person she's uh basically telling me a story one time when she was like 17 years old she took mm-hmm. some some sort of psych i can't remember some sort of psychedelic and she had this crazy experience where she literally just snapped into people's lives as they were passing so she was a gay football player got no car crash died then she was this other person who died on their deathbed then she was someone who jumped off of a side of a building like and she's like it was it was kind of terrifying because i literally lived as these people dying and it's sort of i don't know that's how i got down this whole rabbit hole of 444 and tying it all back together her experience sort of supports this idea maybe she was tapping into these these other lives as she lived as these people and was you know through the help of some psychedelics it was it was being brought through and she was just touching you know on all these deaths which you know yeah kind of kind of rough i think it was kind of a rough experience for her yeah, that's that's got to be harrowing. I mean, you're you're in such a dilated state where things just make so much sense when you're in the psychedelic realm that you start to, you know, and, and physically this has been neurologically supported by 
the most recent brain scans where you see areas of the brain that are connecting and talking to each other that typically don't. So yeah. I think I think a lot of times what happens is we become aware of things in a way that we're normally not aware of them and they have to be applied through reference points we have, right? Which is why yeah. some people think they're experiencing the Virgin Mary when they take mushrooms, right? Like some mm -hmm. people think they're experiencing Buddha when they take mushrooms. And it's, I, I think a lot of the, like all of these things kind of have to bash together. And that leads yeah. to some really, really interesting like interpretations of, of occurrences because, and, and that doesn't, doesn't mean that they're not real. They might totally be real. And that might be what your brain has to do to make sense of whatever that, that, yeah. you know, energy is when you're in that dilated state and who yeah. knows? I mean, it's anything is possible, right. especially, yeah, sure. especially if you, if you make one assumption and that's that there is some sort of unseen interconnectedness among all of us. As soon as you, as soon as you, entertain that idea all of this stuff becomes pretty plausible yeah or at least yeah that's the somewhat. thing for me is it all makes that that really tripped me out when i first started exploring a lot of these concepts is how much it made sense you know how much the puzzle for me it's just like oh my gosh how does everyone not see this you know as or at least entertain this as the way reality is structured and it's all one it's all a reflection of you it's all you know sort of what you which is why there's karma you what you put out is coming back because it's always you're always doing it to self and you know all those things but well, Michael, this has been like such a fascinating journey. We went uh, we went a little longer even than I expected we would. It's because uh, I think uh, you and I are definitely cut from the same cloth and you are a beautiful reflection. It's uh, awesome to connect with you. Definitely uh, a good time. Thank you for coming on. Thank you, brother. And likewise, and thanks for, for having me, of course. And uh, thanks for letting people know about Third Eye Drops much appreciated yeah, be sure and check out his show guys i mean obviously you, you're at the end if you made it to this point you know you're gonna love it so definitely check it out and check out the rest of mind pod network as well there's some great great shows what is there uh michael what about 15 or so uh yeah it's podcast 15 it's yeah it's it's been growing it's been growing for sure i mean um I know we've got people like Corey Allen. We've got Noah Lampert. Who's been on the show. Who's been yeah, on my show too. Yeah. You he, and, and, you and Noah myself. being the one who sort of put it together. Synchronicity podcast. If you guys remember that, uh, that episode. Um, yeah, there's just some really, really great people. Uh, you know, and it's, it's a great source for more of this sort of stuff and, and beyond and other, other flavors as well, you know, but certainly a similar vein, I think runs throughout the mind pod network and, I'm happy to be a part of it with you, my friend. And uh, yeah, until next time, journey well. Likewise. Amen, my brother. <laughs> well, everyone, that concludes this week's interview episode. If you have enjoyed this positive download from our hearts and minds to yours, please take a minute, give us a rating or review on iTunes. Since iTunes is the holy grail of all things podcasting, uh, your good reviews help us to reach more listeners. Also, we would be extremely appreciative if you would tell your friends and family about the show. Our sincere intent with the Positive Head podcast is to spread positivity to the world because, well, because we're selfish, quite honestly. 
Uh, I say that jokingly, but really only halfway joking. I'm referring to the good kind of selfish based on the knowing that we all get what we give in this life because when we give, we're actually always giving to extensions of self since we're all really one in the same consciousness, just in different bodies. So if you want to be a good selfish along with us by helping to spread the positivity, by all means, please proceed to shout about the Positive Head podcast from your rooftop. <laughs> Otherwise, as you continue on your fabulous journey in this 3D reality, be sure to remember this. As long as you ain't dead, you're already positive ahead. Journey well, everyone, and thank you for being.